Welcome to Safe Radio, offering hope, health, and healing in these challenging times. The Safe Coalition was born out of compassion, love, and pain, a community grassroots effort to provide support for those individuals and families suffering with the disease of substance use disorder. This coalition has eased the heartbreak of substance use disorder and marijuana use disorder by providing resources, education, and always the soothing words of, you are not alone. Most important of all, this coalition has done and continues to do all it can to erase the stigma that has for too long prevented people from seeking help as they would for any other affliction that so profoundly affects quality of life and overall joy and happiness. Jim Derrick, a founder of SAFE and co-host of this program, chose to take action in the face of a scourge that was taking such a toll on our citizens in so many ways. He saw a need and has done all he can to fill it every day of his life. I am Ian Bergen, a veteran educator, invited by Jim to co-host along with him. The opioid crisis shined a light on the mental health issues so often accompanying substance use and so many other behaviors that lead to negative consequences. Issues associated with emotional and behavioral health have created a very different epidemic, taking such a toll on all our young people in particular. We must emphasize prevention and early intervention to ease the suffering of so many who seek destructive ways to deal with painful emotions. Jim and I are grateful that there are people out there willing to share their wisdom and experience with all of us as we do all we can to educate ourselves and our communities about substance use disorder. It is about demystifying, immediately correcting misinformation and sharing the fact-based, evidence-based research that will lead to the healing that is so vitally important. We have such a guest today who is another person out there who refuses to sit by and is taking action. We are so proud of our guest today, Jim. I'm gonna turn it over to you to make the introduction. Thanks, Anne. As always, your introductions are spot on and really, really well done. Thank you for that. Uh, today, we are pleased to have with us Teresa Hoggins. Welcome, Teresa. Hi, thank you for having me. Teresa is a champion for all of us as we look at the issue of legalized marijuana in our culture today. And Teresa is going to get into exactly what her group is doing and how they are working with all of us to come up with sensible guardrails for an industry that at the current moment is, is unregulated. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about, about marijuana and its impact on the developing mind and what evidence shows us today is happening to our youth as a result of an unregulated and misinformed public relative to cannabis. So Teresa, thanks again for being with us. Can you tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved? Sure. So I'm a mother of five young people um, between the ages of 16 and 26. Uh, one of my children started using marijuana in high school and has been adversely affected by it. Um, so I, that's how I got involved. I started doing some research. I didn't really know much about marijuana. I didn't use it in college. You know, I knew of it, but I knew what it smelled like. I really didn't know much about it. So I started researching it. And I was shocked to learn that the potency has gone up dramatically since I was in college, like 30 years ago. When I was in college, it was probably like two to 5%. That's what it was back in like the Woodstock era of the 60s that many people you know, might remember. 
you know, or maybe have used in the past. But nowadays, I did uh, some research within the last month to just to look on some of the websites of um, the menus of our current um, marijuana retail sales facilities around the state. And uh, I wasn't shocked because I, I knew it was a problem, but the THC levels are absolutely through the roof. Just to give you an idea from a historical perspective, when um, medical marijuana was legalized in Massachusetts back in 2012, the THC potency for flour was about 10%. And there were very few marijuana concentrates. So co by concentrates, I mean dabs or vape pens or even edibles. Basically, almost any form that's not considered flour, I guess you would call a concentrate. And so, for example, I looked up, I, I won't say the names of the companies, but uh, the marijuana uh, retail outlets, but the, the potency levels I was seeing on the con concentrates were anywhere from 60 to 90% plus. Uh, so it's a whole new drug. It's a hard drug now. It's not just you know, your parents or grandparents' marijuana. And unfortunately, the data is showing that the young people are gravitating towards the concentrates. And one reason for that, the vape pens, for example, is there's no smell. So, and it's very tiny. You don't need a, um, you don't need a lighter or anything. You can just kind of, they're doing it in class. They, they whip out the dab pen, take a hit while the teacher's turned around uh, or in the bathroom or whatever. And it's very easy to get high without anyone having any idea. Could be doing it at work, could be doing it at home. Parents don't even know. Lots of times parents don't know until months, even maybe a year or two after their child starts uh, vaping marijuana, that they're even using marijuana, believe it or not. So that's how I got involved. I, I found, I started doing a lot of research. I saw that the THC had gone through the roof and is causing adverse uh, effects on our young people in Massachusetts, both adolescents and young adults in the college age. Um, I started looking at what other states are, like Colorado, they legalized before us. I started looking to what was happening there. That was a disaster. And we're a couple years behind, but we're on our well on our way to being a disaster as well. And also I started talking to other parents. I mean, generally, I don't open up about it with, except with close friends because of the dual stigma of addiction and mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And when I started, you know, I'd say something to a friend, they'd say, oh, yeah, I, my child, you know, has a problem with it, too. And, and you know, I was amazed how many friends of mine um, you know, have a child that's addicted to marijuana. So uh, nobody really talks about it, you know, but it's a real issue here in Massachusetts. So uh, I got involved and I met some other parents and other people who um, were also concerned about this issue. And we are trying to make changes in our state. Um, the Cannabis Control Commission was set up to regulate marijuana, but in my opinion, it has not done a great job with that because the THC potency has gone through the roof. So we're trying to get some bills passed at the state house to make some changes for right. positive changes. You've done a tremendous job in your paper, the, the one page, I will call it a white paper, but it's a position paper on what you're doing with this bill. Tremendous job in outlining not only what the bill will do, but importantly, what it won't do. One of the problems that I've seen, Teresa, with any conversation about marijuana is that Oftentimes it becomes personal and it become people become threatened because they don't want their right to use marijuana, either medicinally or recreationally taken away. What is it exactly that you're trying to target with this bill? So we're trying to target the THC potency uh, as one of the, the main targets. That's the 
THC, tetrahydrocannabinoid, I can never say it very well, mm. it's a big mm. long name, but it stands for, T THC is the acronym, yeah. um, is the addictive and the psychoactive uh, element, if you will, or substance in marijuana that creates both addiction and uh, the high. And so, as I mentioned, that's really high, uh, very high levels these days. So we're trying to get that um dramatically reduced because all of the medical evidence for marijuana shows no medical evidence for any THC above 10%. So um, that's, that's one of the most important things that we're trying to do. We're also trying to get warning labels on the packaging that, that warn people that there can be adverse mental health effects such as psychosis, depression, uh, suicide ideation. Uh, right now, those are not on the warning labels. Um, we're also trying to get a bill that would improve data collection on both youth marijuana use and adult marijuana use to Brilliant. try to understand it better. What are we seeing? We're also trying to get money set aside by the state of Massachusetts to do a campaign to raise awareness about this issue mm -hmm. of the harms of marijuana. All people are hearing is that it's that it's medicine. Mm -hmm. I put that in quotes because I really don't see it as medicine, but that's what people are saying. And a lot of young people are taking that message if they don't feel good, if they have anxiety or whatever, they, they think, oh, well, I'll use marijuana, it's medicine. And that's just, nothing could be further from the truth, especially for um, adolescents and young adults whose brains are still developing. They are adversely affected by THC. And all the papers, all the, mm -hmm. the studies show that. I mean, that is, there's nothing new about that. We've known that actually since the 70s, at least. I, I've seen papers written back in the 70s that show that. So this is nothing new. And that was a THC potency levels of only 2 to 5%. Right, right. And now we're talking about 90% plus. Right. I mean, so it's dramatically negatively affecting young people's. Um, right. And we're going to continue you know. to develop on, on a lot of the points that you've made. But I do want to give people the opportunity if they're listening and say, yeah, I want to get involved. How can we yeah. move this out of committee onto the floor yeah. so that it can be debated and then ultimately uh, hopefully voted on? Yeah. So the, the best way is for people to contact their state representatives and their state legislators. And we're asking for two things. We're asking them so they could either send a letter or an email or they could call them or both, ideally both. We're asking them to ask their state uh, representative and state senator to ask that these these bills, there's six bills, be moved out of committee and to the floor so that it can be voted on by the whole the whole House and the whole Senate. So right now, there are five of the bills are with the Joint Committee on Cannabis Policy. They've been assigned to committees. And then the last bill that would uh, fund a comprehensive public awareness campaign is in the Joint Committee on Mental Health, Substance Use and Recovery. So, so just in summary, we need people to contact their state legislators and ask that these bills be moved out of committee and to be voted on and supported on the, the House floor and the Senate floor. And if you're listening to this program, there is a strong likelihood that your state representative is Jeffrey Roy. He's a Democrat, uh, represents both Franklin and Medway. His telephone number is 617-722-2030. Your state senator is Becca Rausch, and Becca can be reached at 617-722-1555. And one of the most common comments that I hear from Jeff Roy or representatives uh, in government is that when there's a bill like this that's being uh, debated, 
they hear from very, very few people. And when that happens, it obviously becomes less of a priority to them, no matter how much sense it makes. Conversely, when they get a couple of dozen phone calls, it really draws their attention. Mm -hmm. So it really matters that people call. Absolutely. That's the most important thing is that people call because you're absolutely right. If nobody calls, even if you're really concerned about the issue, nothing will happen. And we really need change to happen here to protect young people in our state that are being harmed. And as I said, a lot of legislators aren't even hearing because parents are afraid to speak up because of the dual um, stigma of addiction and mental health harm. So they're not necessarily getting calls from their constituents whose children are being affected because it's hard to talk about it as a parent. It really is hard. Very few parents are talking about it publicly. I was just talking to an emergency room physician who said the number one reason for young people coming to the emergency room today is suicidal ideation. This is such a huge issue. And Teresa, I was just going to ask you one quick question. Is there anything in the legislation about how uh, marijuana is being um, marketed and packaged to young people? Is there anything, you know, these fancy names that they're putting on it and marketed like the Joe Camel of years ago that they're trying to draw? Is there anything referencing that or is that something that we just have to, is part of education? Not that I'm aware of. There are ways, I think, that they target young people by, for example, the gummies look really appealing. Of course, of you know, course. Because I mean, I'm somebody who loves sweets. Uh, so there's six bills. There's The first one includes all the aspects, and then there's five that are one aspect of the bigger bill. And one of the issues is flavors. So the flavors um, are very appealing to young people, mm-hmm. all the sweet flavors. And if you ask kids, they'll tell you that. You know, The flavors are really appealing. So that's one of the things we'd like to see dramatically reduced or eliminated flavors. And they've done that with um, nicotine vapes. So it's not like, and they knew that was which was one of the things driving the nicotine vapes. So it's the same idea with the marijuana vapes. They've done it with cigarettes. You can't sell menthol Yeah, they did it with cigarettes, right? Exactly. Same idea. And and a lot of guardrails on alcohol too. Yeah. Start, Teresa, for a moment, just unbundling some of what you spoke about. Um, I want to talk, first of all, about the misnomer that marijuana is not an addictive substance. Uh, there is something called cannabis, sorry, cannabis use disorder. Right. Yes, you're absolutely right. In fact, it's in the, the DSM-5, I believe, psychiatrist's um, manual. Of, so it is actually very addicting. And it's just like with opioids, it's a dose response. So the higher the THC content, the more addicting it is. So for example, you know, 40 years ago when it was two to 5%, you know, that was not nearly as addicting as today's, you know, marijuana concentrates of 70s, 80, 90% THC. Right. That makes it very, very addicting. And as the so, industry knows this. They, you, they know well, this. Of course. As, just as just somebody, like they knew it with nicotine and they yeah. knew it with, with opioids. I mean, this is, this is nothing new. And as someone who works in this field, me, with personal experience, a loved one that has cannabis use disorder, you know, I see it every day. It's not even, you, you speak to police officers, you speak to emergency room and Yep. reference an emergency room physician, you speak to psychiatrists, you will quickly get the response. Of course, it's addictive. We see it every day. Now, right. if gambling can be addictive, if cocaine can be addictive, which has no physical addictive properties, but it creates pathways in the brain mm-hmm. that want right. to be repeated. If uh, sex can be addictive, certainly uh, marijuana can be addictive. So I just wanted to dispel that. Secondly, you speak about the impacts of, uh, of dabbing and, and, and the waxes that are created. Uh, when you, you framed it perfectly, it doesn't even resemble marijuana. 
when it's boiled down into a wax or dab. It right. is abs when it's 96% THC, it has become a hard drug. Right. And it's used like a hard drug. And the consequences are those of hard drugs. When you speak to the police officers that have interactions with young or older people that are dabbing and are in the are in a marijuana induced or THC induced psychosis, they will tell you it resembles PCP. It resembles yeah. angel dust or, yeah. or some of these really, right. really hard drugs, it being right. the symptoms that are exhibited. Is right, the psycho, yeah, yes, right. Yeah, the psychoactive ingredient is is through the roof. So it makes sense that it would resemble PCP or LSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we, some people have no idea. They're literally out of their mind. They are psychotic. Most of the parents that we come into contact with, Teresa, you made another comment about how this is so easily hidden. You know, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. if you smoked, yeah, everybody knew. You, yeah. It stunk. Yeah. If you smoked a yeah. cigarette, everybody knew it. Today, mm-hmm. both the vapes and the for uh, nicotine and the vapes for THC have have odorless components to them or a way to right. smoke them odor, odorlessly. Not only are they not detectable by, by teachers or other students or parents, but once the parents do detect that something's going on with THC, very well-intentioned parents who are very well-educated in other areas do call our offices oftentimes and say to us things like, it's just marijuana. It's no big deal. And again, these I don't say that with any hard feelings or any sense that these aren't good, well-intentioned parents, but there just is not enough education right. in the public. That's, that's exactly. That's exactly why we need this comp- this money set aside by the state for the comprehensive public awareness campaign, because most people are uninformed. Parents are really uninformed. It's shocking. I mean, I have to admit, I was uninformed until before I started looking into this. I had no idea, no idea. And um, unfortunately, you know, the marijuana industry has done a great job uh, convincing people that it's medicine and convincing people that it's harmless. I'm sorry, but Nothing could be further from the truth when you're talking about adolescents and young adults. It's not medicine for them, and it's not harmless. It's very harmful. I mean, it's black and white. There's no gray area. No, If you talk to pediatricians, there is no amount of marijuana whatsoever that is safe for anybody under the age of 25 even. I know the the law says 21, but the, the brain is still developing up through at least age 25, and even studies these days are showing could even be 30. And people with um, like ADHD, for example, the prefrontal cortex doesn't, you know, is the last piece, I guess, to to develop. They're saying people with ADHD could be 30. It just takes a little bit longer. They definitely catch up. But it's definitely not for adolescents and young adults up through the age of 25. It It speaks to the need for, because we know that kids start experimenting usually around 12, 13, that, that, that that's why education is so important is sort of educating parents for the, the whole need for, for supervision of that age group, that too often that they're left after school on their own, they're using gift cards to go online and buy these products. Um, it speaks again to the whole need for education and especially for, for educating young people because ultimately they're gonna be making these decisions and the more information we have to not be insulting to it that we have to say, we're going to give you this information because we trust that you're going to make good decisions along the line. And we believe if you have the truth and the factual information, so so much about what you've said is so important in terms of educating all of us. 
You know, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what you said, touch on um, talking about suicide and um, that they're seeing young people coming in with suicide ideation. So a um, couple things on that. I know in Colorado, they're showing the top, so they're, they have a, a big problem with young people also, you know, dying by suicide. And the toxicology reports are showing overwhelmingly the number one substance in the bodies of these young people aged 15 to 25 is THC. Wow. Which, yeah, which is awful. And if you look at some of the case studies, I've reviewed a few of them recently, even older ones. So there's one from um, New Zealand that, uh, tracked kids from I think as young as like five or seven mm-hmm. all the way up through 38 and this is years ago when THC was only two to five percent and they found that um, young people who are daily users of low THC so this is two to five percent um, before the age of 17 had a seven times likelihood of um, of dying by suicide or suicide ideation and that was with low THC. Can you imagine what it is now with THC if, if it's 70 to 90%? Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's awful. Yeah. And depression also, I read a study recently that showed uh, for depression, they were three and a half times more likely to develop depression if they used marijuana as a young person, like an adolescent. Yeah. And, it, you know, so that, so then depression, we also know, you know, is also correlates with suicide ideation as well. Like people who are really depressed are more likely to die by suicide. So it all really ties together. I want to take a second and remind everybody, we're speaking with Teresa Hoggins. Teresa is an activist who is helping advance a bill in Massachusetts that would limit THC potency in marijuana products, improve the warning labels, improve data collection, make a public awareness campaign available through funding from the marijuana industry, along with education to help the Commonwealth of Massachusetts become a responsible a responsible commonwealth that is allowing for retail and medicinal use of marijuana without exposing our number one asset, our children, to uh, a substance that can cause a great amount of harm. My name is Jim Derrick, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Ann Bergen, and you're listening to Safe Radio. April of 2021, in the American Medical Association came out with the following statement, and I quote, In states that have already legalized cannabis, the American Medical Association believes jurisdictions should take steps to regulate the product effectively to protect public health and safety. This includes regulating retail sales, limiting the potency of cannabis extracts and concentrates, end quote. And uh, that was from the American Medical Association president, Susan Bailey, MD, April 2021. Teresa, if the American Medical Association is coming out with a national statement saying, get on this and get on it now, I can't imagine anything that would be more convincing than that. I agree. And, and doctors, I'm sure, are seeing this, you know, they're on the front lines. So they're yeah. seeing this, as, as Ann mentioned, they're seeing it in the ER. The pediatrician's offices are definitely seeing it. It's a real problem. And we really need to address it now before we have a generation of young people that are are, are lost to addiction. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's true. I, and one thing I want to mention, another thing about 
um, can I just mention about education? Cause Please. I know parents yeah. care about their kids' education. I care passionately about education. I think it's hugely important. And one of the things, one of the studies um, that I was mentioning was, I think it's called the Dundee study. It's out of New Zealand. And again, this is what was with low THC. And when they studied uh, over people's lifetime, I think over 30 years, one of the things they found is for young people who use THC or use marijuana daily before the age, before the age of 17, their um, their chances of advanced degree attainment, meaning going on to college, um, was only two percent. So, in other words, it really affects people's ability to concentrate, to be able to do well in school, to be able to even finish school, you know, finish high school, or be able to finish college. I mean, I, I've heard many stories from other parents about their kids getting to college and having trouble running into trouble with it. Maybe they didn't use it in high school, but they got into trouble with it in, in college, couldn't finish college, dropped out because it really does affect your cognitive ability. Also, you've probably heard of a motivational syndrome. So people who use marijuana a lot, they're demotivated. They don't have any motivation. You know what I mean? They, they may have had goals in their, in their life when they were younger and then they start to use marijuana. They use it all day long. And all of a sudden nothing else seems important except getting high. It's sad, but it's 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 a real thing. And before we came on the air, you were speaking about Dr. Ruth Pote, P-O-T-E, oh, she's terrific. who yeah. we've had uh, before. Can you talk a little bit about what you heard? Well, I, I was listening to her give a, a, a lecture to middle school, 6th, uh, 7th, uh, and 8th graders. And she was talking about the impact on the brain. And, and what, what she was saying to kids is, you just need to know what they're trying to sell you and why they're trying to do it. They are invested in getting you addicted. They're invested in making you lifelong users of their product. And they know at your age, you're going to be 50% more likely to become addicted. And she talked to them so powerfully. And she said, you have to make these decisions um, about your brain. And she showed them pictures of the brain and said, this is what's happening. This is what they are doing to you because they are lying to you. They are selling you these products with these fancy names like cinnamon crunch, whatever. And they're trying to get you addicted. And it was so powerful. And these kids just ate it all up. And, and for, they, any, yeah. for anybody that doesn't know, Dr. Ruth Pote is a family physician out in Greenfield, Massachusetts, a wonderful advocate for families. Uh, the way she came about being so passionate about the developing brain was through her experience in her practice, watching people fall victim to first the opioid epidemic, then asking questions about why she was seeing so much psychosis in young people and finding out that there was a direct link to marijuana and then diving into the subject matter and becoming a subject matter expert on uh, cannabis. And she's a, just a wonderful resource. If you want to look her up, it is just Dr. Ruth, R-U-T-H, P-O-T-E-E.com. And you'll see all of her videos, some of them dealing directly with this issue on her front page. Yeah, I, I love her. I've seen her speak three times. She yeah. is outstanding. She I is. can't say enough great things about yes. her. And her videos are terrific on her website. Send to her website yep. many times. Can yep. I just mention one more thing too? Um, they, how Another way that they're targeting kids. So kids, young people, adolescents and young adults spend a lot of time on Instagram and Snapchat. They're not on Facebook, like the, like a lot of the parents, they're on Instagram and Snapchat. And that's where the marijuana industry advertises their products to the kids on Snapchat and Instagram. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's another way they go after them. And I've heard stories about, you know, young people getting just bombarded right. with advertisements on there. 
you know, as a coalition, we can't take a position, political position, but we can, as individuals within the coalition, form opinions. And uh, it is our judgment uh, as individuals, and I'll speak for myself, that this bill is not only uh, important, but should be required, that we have to have this. And frankly, we put the cart in front of the horse. We legalized the product without any guardrails. And now, thanks to Teresa and just two other people locally in Massachusetts, three, three other people, three yeah, other people three locally others. here yeah, in Massachusetts, yeah, we have a bill in committee. Um, and personally, Teresa, I want to thank you because as somebody who has directly experienced with my, uh, with one of my dear sons, the impacts of cannabis use disorder, the impacts of psychosis from THC, and the impacts of a lifelong challenge with mental health as a result of this product. I cannot thank you enough for trying to protect other people that don't even realize the ticking time bomb that we have right under our noses. That's being, as Ann said, called things like cinnamon crunch or, you know, yeah. uh, the devil's uh, dream or something. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't say that to be flippant. I say that because it's shocking. Yeah. If you saw a pack of cigarettes labeled uh, something that was attractive to children, you'd be mortified. Right. We'd have a national right. call to take that product off the right. shelf, but we don't do that with marijuana. Right. And, and, and who calls purple kush medicine? Exactly. I mean, really? I mean, really? I, mean, I can tell you, because I've been recently on all these sites and I'm looking at the names. They're very appealing to kids and they do not sound like medicine to me. No. I don't know about you, but I haven't picked up any purple kush um, prescriptions recently at my pharmacy. And, and let me just say one more thing about what the marijuana industry will say. They will say, oh, well, if you don't allow these high potent products, then it'll drive everybody to the black market. That's what they'll say. But the truth is that the legal market drives the black market. So it's not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're going to say, though. So I'm just putting that out there just to kind of Get ahead of it. That's what they'll the way, say. Oh, it, then you're going to drive all the all customers are going to go to the black market and they're going to be harmed anyone, by the black market. If blah, anyone blah, 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 wants blah. to challenge Teresa on this, I, I refer you to Parents Opposed to Pot. I refer you to Aubrey Adams, who is on that page and all the studies about what has happened in Colorado since their legalization. If you think Teresa's wrong about that, just take a look at what happened mm -hmm. in Colorado. Uh, there is just evidence everywhere of what you just said, Teresa. And, and I think also it's, I want to thank you too for opening the conversation around stigma and mental health, because one of the things we have to keep looking at is what are the painful emotions that young people are experiencing that are causing them to not only use substances, but to have eating disorders and depression and anxiety, and why do they need to soothe um, and cope using these um, destructive ways of doing it. We have to look at early intervention prevention. We have to, we have to focus on mental health uh, and do all we can to put resources there. You know, so this has opened up that conversation and we have to take that stigma away and, and make sure that these conversations are out in the open. And that's why what Teresa is doing and the people that she's doing um, working with are, are so important. So again, the call to action here is to Call your state representative, Jeffrey Roy, if you're listening to this program in the Franklin Medway area. Uh, Becca Rausch is also the state senator for our area. Call them immediately. Leave them a message. Ask so them to move H these six bills yes. out of committee and onto the floor. Yes. So the, the five that are at the Joint Committee on Cannabis Policy are H-152, and it's a bill that includes all reforms, flavors, and taste appealing to young people, uh -huh. THC potency limits, labels and packaging, research and data, and public awareness campaign. And then there are five bills that have 
one aspect of each of those five I just mentioned. So H-153 is a bill that contains definitions of new terms used, for example, defining concentrates as and other terms. H-154 is a bill that addresses THC potency limits, flavors, and tastes appealing to young people. H-155 is a bill that addresses labeling on marijuana packaging to add warnings about the risk of psychosis and other mental health harms. H-156 is a bill that addresses making improvements to data collection on adult and youth marijuana use and related harms. And lastly, for the Joint Committee on Mental Health, Substance Use and Recovery, that bill is H-2100. And that bill funds comprehensive public awareness campaign to include mental health harms of marijuana use. And uh, we will have a link to all of these bills and the telephone numbers for Jeff Roy and Becca Rausch. And the last thing I'll say, Teresa, is that as a coalition member, it has been incredible to watch our community, the town of Franklin, and particularly the school's response to all of the issues surrounding substance use disorder and mental health. Uh, And in large part, that's because of Dr. Ann Bergen, who sits as the school committee chair to the superintendent uh, and her staff, uh, including Lucas Jaguer. Franklin has taken such a forward-leaning position on this and welcomed all different stakeholders to the table, including students, to talk about the issues surrounding not only marijuana, but all of the Mm -hmm. issues surrounding mental health and substance use disorders. Absolutely right. And community-wide effort, you know, made up of, you know, police and parents and and having students there is really important. I think, like you said, Jim, right, their voices have to be at the table. We have to bring them there, you know, just. And there are many students that have watched their friends kind of go down this path and are heartbroken over losing their friends to to addiction. And they have to have a vehicle to be able to talk about it. And that's what I think, Franklin, I, I just, I say this because I don't want it to be a closely held secret. Franklin yes. and the public school system is doing an amazing job at it and pushing these issues down to the issue of social emotional health and how do we recognize mm-hmm. people that may be at risk and then disseminating information among among the students and including the students as part of the solution, you know, and as part of the data gathering. I just think it's a wonderful model. If you or a loved one have any questions about cannabis use disorder, about any of the issues we spoke about today, or just have general questions about substance use disorder, you can call the Safe Coalition Resource Line at 508-488-8105, and you will speak to one of our staff that will be happy to help you. So we are just delighted that you were here, Teresa. I want to thank you again. For Dr. Ian Bergen, I'm Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Safe Radio. We'll see you next week.